Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life's transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. Good morning. You're listening to Second Wind, and I am Joyce Buford. And I would like to welcome you because this program is all about women. It's about the many, many changes that we go through. And during those changes, sometimes we get stuck in our own stuff, if you might say, where we just kind of can't seem to get the energy to go forward. Maybe your change is a life change of moving, starting over again, such as our guest today. Maybe it's a a change of lost loved one, a lost marriage, a lost child. Whatever the transition is, it some kind can stop us in our tracks. So listening to other women, how they have transitioned through these times is very beneficial. And so that's why I became a coach. A coach to help women through transition. Because my transition was a divorce. And I wanted to help women make that transition easier. So thank you for being with us today. And I want to tell you about how I met our fabulous guest today. I was at the E-Women's Conference in Dallas, which is an annual conference. And at this meeting, which is all women usually with a small amount of men there, but they promote networking and learning about other women in the room. There may be as many as, oh, I'm guessing three, four hundred in one session in the general sessions. And so anyway, I was sitting at a networking table and we were going around saying what each of us, what our business was. And Betty Ann mentioned that she was a dialect coach. And my eyes just were drawn to her immediately. She has this fabulous energy about her. And so I wanted to get to know Betty Ann Leesburg Lange, sorry Betty Ann, I was stuck there, is our, and because she is such an interesting, fascinating woman. Let me tell you a little bit about Betty Ann before she joins us. She is an accomplished dialect coach with a professional training career in academia, the arts, and the international business world. 
Having worked with some of the finest voices in the business and theatrical industry, she gives us a very unique perspective on dialect adjustment. Betty Ann strongly believes that cultural behavior plays a part in accent and sound and transforms people by using elements of their own language. She has specialized in dialect acquisition for student actors as well as professional actors and is the former acting chair of the Department of Theater at Valparaiso University in Indiana and teaching credits at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., University of Iowa, John Jay College, and Webster University. Her areas of concentration in academia have been voice and diction and dialect correction for international students. She currently teaches at Howard County Community College in Columbia, Maryland. She has worked as a dialect coach in New York City, St. Louis, Chicago, and in the Washington-Baltimore corridor. One of her many highlights was coaching dialect for HBO's The Wire, one of the highest critically acclaimed shows in television history. You may have remembered that. That ran for about five years. She is one of the founding members and past president of VASTA, Voice and Speech Training Association. VASTA is a renowned international organization for voice diction, dialect, and text, text specialists. Betty Ann's work has been featured in numerous publications, such as the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun. Her work is making a real difference to individuals all over the world. She is doing this through her ability to coach others to find their potential by opening the door of speech and language. Welcome, Betty Ann. What an impressive and yet exciting life you are living. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, it's exciting to do what I do. I'm, I'm so pleased to be able to help people and, um, well, dialects just fascinate me. They are, they are one of the ways we know who we are, and they're one of the ways in which we communicate with people, and they're one of the ways that sometimes gets in our way. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine how it must be for a person to come from another country, such as China or some of those other uh, Arab countries, and come to the U.S. and face our language. I mean, I would have the same problem if I went to theirs, I seemed. But I just think it would be over, over the top difficult. Well, yeah, it is. And part of the reason it is is because English is one of the most acquisitive languages. That means that we take words from every other language that we like. We oh. just 
take them and put them in our language. <laughs> words like words like pizza. Uh huh. Words like um, uh, spaghetti. Uh, words um, like uh, things that have come to us from times when. Um, our military has been in another country. There's a word mm-hmm. called in Japanese that is skoshi, and it means little. Mm-hmm. And so we say skosh. We've skosh, shortened it yeah. to skosh, <laughs> which means yeah. a little. I'm I'm just going to give you a skosh of of spaghetti. I'm just going to uh-huh. give you a skosh of mashed potatoes, so that you won't think that you're not staying on your diet. Um, it's, it's those kinds of things that, um, we've acquired into American English. And so hard for them because we are so not only acquiring words from other languages, but also acquiring idiomatic things. And the, and the idioms in, in, in the United States are what frustrates many, many people who come from other countries. We say see ya, and they go, what does that mean? Does that mean C as in S-E-E, or does that mean C as in S-E-A? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. If it, was S- if it was S-E-A, think how frustrating that must be. Yeah. I've been really fortunate to work with um, one Asian woman who was told by her boss that uh, she couldn't um, an interview, uh, an interviewer for uh, jobs for other people uh-huh. because her accent interfered. So I worked with her and was very, very fortunate to do that. Worked with her, and now she owns her own business. She said, "Nope, that's it. I'm not working for anybody else anymore. I'm going to go out and work for myself." And she works with other international personnel and says to them, you have to go get your voice fixed, and <laughs> I'll find you a job. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> I'll find you a job where your accent modified does not interfere with the work, and people respect you for what you can do, for the fact that you can read and write English very well, but that mm-hmm. sometimes the accent needs modifying. You know, right. and I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of her that she said, no, my boss is not going to stop me. I'm going to but take she care did, of this. But she did work on improving her her pronunciation accent. with you. Yes, she accent. Did. Okay. She worked very, very hard. She worked very hard uh-huh. because there are so many different sounds between Asian languages and our language. They, you know, many of them have that RL problem where we say they're saying R and L at the same time. And, you know, in fact, Joyce, they are because <laughs> that's only one sound for them. And, and having to teach them that their tongue goes in two different places for different uh, letters and sounds in U.S. English. They just think we're not efficient. Why do you yeah. have two sounds when one is just easier to make? You know? <laughs> so yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's why we get light 
when they mean right. Well, Betty Ann, we're going to take a break. Uh, And so we will be back. And when we do, I want to talk about, first off, where this all started, how you got into the dialect business, uh, because it is certainly taking you down an exciting path. But I know there was something that happened much earlier in your life to take you to this place. So we will come back and be talking with Betty Ann, and we'll learn more about how she got into dialects. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We are talking with Betty Ann Leesburg-Lang. And we are talking about her fabulous career, very interesting career of dialects. And Betty Ann, if you would kind of take us to how did you get into um, helping people with their dialects? Well, um, it comes from a story from our 
my childhood, our childhood, I say that because it's my brother and sister too, we uh-huh. grew up in the military. Mm-hmm. And we would go from the north to the south, to the north yes. to the south. And it didn't make any difference where we were. Our accent was wrong. <laughs> and so we invented this game. Mm-hmm. And that was whoever could learn to speak the accent of where we had moved the fastest won. Oh. Now, I don't remember what we won, Joyce. I have no idea what we won. <laughs> and Probably I need peace. to tell you that. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> well, because when an accent is different in children, sometimes they're bullied. And, oh. and one has to be very careful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I was the one that had some physical problems, but my younger sister stood up and whacked somebody who was trying to beat me up. Um, but the the thing that was so exciting was that we decided that they weren't going to be in charge of our lives, that we were. Yes. And yeah. so that's how we developed it. I then, um, in in college and graduate school, became really good at doing this and was an actress in New York for some period of time. And while I was there, I took a commercial course and how to make commercials. And we had to make all these uh, comments on everybody else's work. And here I am commenting about they should be using this sound instead of that sound and this sound instead. And finally, the teacher got really irritated with me, and he said, well, can you fix it? And I said, yes. (laughs) And he gave, well, I'm a little on the determined side. You are. And he gave me. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I I I believe that as hard as it may be, we can make changes. We can decide how our lives are going to go. We don't have to have someone else decide that for us. Right. We can choose that. Hard as it may be and sometimes it's very hard. Mm. But we can. We can choose it. And then he said to me, this nice gentleman, well, if you can fix them, I'm going to give you a room, a little office space, and I'm going to give you three months, and I'm going to give you three people. And if you can fix their accents or modify their accents in that period of time, I'll start to pay you. Well, now, was this actually teaching them a different language or just improving the way they were speaking? Were they from other countries coming to the Ameri- to the U.S.? And the they United were needing States. To speak? They were from no, the United actually, States? Yes, they were from the United States. And actually, we were changing their accent in English um, because they spoke English initially. So it's not mm-hmm. just international people. It's people in the United States whose English interferes. I worked with a lovely lady who had worked for Neiman Marcus and came up to New York City to work for Revlon. And she had a Texas accent, a beautiful Texas accent. I grew up part of my childhood in Texas, so I know how gorgeous our accent yeah, is. Yeah, we love it. We do. And she uh, she came to me uh, through some friends of mine, and she said, uh, they're, they're not paying any attention to me. Uh, can you fix this? So we did. We modified it. But the thing is, it's there that I started knowing that with business people and medical people, you don't need to get rid of it. You just need to modify it. 
because she didn't want to get rid of her Texas culture. It was too important. So what I do is I help people modify their accent so they can be completely understood, but to keep their culture, to keep who they are. Okay, so when you say modify, what are you saying? Are you... I, you speed me up, you know, I'm a Texan, so I draw things out, I mispronounce things, I just, you know, I, I'm a country girl, really, so that really kind of further defines me, but um, what do you mean when you say modify them? What would you do to me? Speed me up? Um, <laughs> you. um, you're going to get me in trouble here, girl. Oh, um, no, no. Um, what happens with southern accents is you're right, you elongate vowels. Mm -hmm. And so you not only elongate vowels, but you put extra sounds in them. Ah. So in Texas, we don't say hello. We say hello. So Mm -hmm. the S in hello gets changed to an I. And mm-hmm. the O gets elongated until three or four sounds, depending on who you're yes. talking to. Mm-hmm. So we sort of have a little melody of... along with our voice, don't we? Our pronunciation. Yes. Absolutely, a, a beautiful mm-hmm. melody. And mm-hmm. so, if I was going to modify your voice, mm-hmm. I would take the and make sure you were saying "eh" in "hello," and I would make help you shorten that O. Now, that would keep your melody line somewhat, but it would cause people to say to you, where are you from, rather than to say, you're from Texas, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. This happened oh. with one Italian woman that I worked with. She um, had great difficulty in her business, and she worked for the the federal government, and she was having a very, very hard time um, mm. helping people, to, having people understand her. And she came to work with me, and she was very concerned and upset that she was going to have to give up her Italian culture. Mm. And I said, no, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to just modify it, adjust it so you can be understood, but not so... You don't sound Italian because you love sounding Italian. And she was able to do so much better in her job, so much more pleased. Her boss was so pleased. And her projects got done more often because they could understand her. Mm. And she felt so much better about it. But the beginning, as in all things, beginnings are hard. Mm. They're not yes. They're not I agree. easy, and and beginning anything new or dealing with anything that's painful is is uh, can cause blocks, can cause you to rethink things and work through things. I also work with um, some Catholic seminarians from uh, Colombia, and they oh. have these glorious Spanish accents. But in Spanish, all the words are magnificently run together. Mm. And in the U.S., we, our words are a little choppier. You know, we end words very precisely. They just run them all together. Yes. And yeah. it makes that gorgeous melody they have, just like in Texas. 
makes that gorgeous melody. And they have another difficulty that happens with language, and that is their language doesn't have as many sounds as ours does. So they have five vowels, and we have 14. Really? Yes, <laughs> yes we do. Really? <laughs> well, we do because, as I said before, we're acquisitive. We steal words and sounds from other languages. Yeah. And in Europe, there were big changes in sound during the Black Plague, so that we've acquired all sorts of things that don't happen in Romance languages, that don't happen in Asian languages, or Middle Eastern ones. So, let's, for example, do we have time for an example? Yeah, we have three minutes. Okay, good. Here's an example. There are five vowels in Spanish. Mm Mm-hmm. But compared to them, we have other sounds. So they say A, we say A, but they say they don't have I. Or let's say they have E, as we do, but they don't have I. So, oh, let's do an October one. Trick or treat. Well, treat they know how to say, but trick is not a vowel they have. Or sheep. Or and ship. Now, if I did sheet and the other word, they yes. would get themselves into trouble. <laughs> so that kind of thing, yes, I know, that kind of thing. Everybody makes, knows cuss words in every language. You know? <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. But, but the thing is, they, if they're making a sermon or reading a gospel lesson, they can't use that word. That's true. That's not appropriate right so sometimes people with another language get caught that way Mm -hmm. and so it's very difficult for them not to understand our vowels Mm -hmm. in addition to theirs so you have to teach them how to change that in their mouth right oh one of the things that i think happens also when um people from other countries come here and learn our language and begin speaking it is of course we um, we judge them as to their intelligence now I really want to talk about this more but uh, than what the time that we have left but many times people will think that because they're mispronouncing a word that they aren't intelligent aren't a well-educated person aren't uh, able to handle high jobs, high-value jobs. So anyway, I do believe that it's a misjudgment on our part because many people that have uh, come to this country have been well-educated, and therefore it's just a matter of learning that language to almost reclaim where they were in their previous lives. But we're going to take a break here. We can come back if there's more to say about this subject. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. 
Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We have been talking with Betty Ann, and she has been telling us about her career in dialects. Now, before we went to break, we talked about people from other countries, and her example was Colombia, have, have worked with Colombians who have come here. But also we have many uh, Asians that have come here, Spanish people. And when they come, they many times, because of their language and their transition to American English, is such a difficult transformation that <clears throat> where in their countries they were educators, uh, people holding higher positions, many times they're put into um, jobs that are really undervalued. Their, their skills are undervalued here in the United States. So, Betty Ann, you want to give us a little more how you've seen this play out with your in your career? Well, I've, I've seen this play out with people who've come from uh, Russia or the Ukraine or people who come especially from the Middle East, given uh-huh. our relationships um, and, and the, the war situation that happens there. When people come here and there are, as, as uh, immigrants or, or co- at, as political refugees, they come as doctors. 
They mm-hmm. come as lawyers. They come with very high professional uh, standards and abilities, and they can read and write English, but their ability to speak is is very limited, and their mm-hmm. accent interferes. So they have to take jobs as taxi drivers, mm-hmm. as cooks, not chefs, but cooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one doctor um, who came to work at NIH, the National Institute for Health, and before he was accepted as a, a researcher there, he literally had been driving a taxi in order to feed his family and to send money back mm-hmm. um, to Saudi Arabia, which is where he was from, so that learning to speak English clearly was very important to him because then he finally could interview. He finally yes. could talk in such a way as his work was respected. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for people who come here as as teachers of their own language. People here say, well, you, I can't understand you, so how could I possibly learn anything from you? So the change in their dialect is very, very important as well. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying before, also here in the States, the change between North and South, like what happened to us as children, is very, very interesting because it contains, as it does with international aspects, a level of prejudice. Yes, it a level does. Of, mm-hmm. They are very different than we are, so they can't, they can't be one of us. They are mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. whatever them means to those people. It's the same thing for women who are divorced. Mm-hmm. They are them. Mm-hmm. They are not us. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for women who've had a major job transition. It's, again, that them and us business. Mm-hmm. But when you come to southern and northern accents, the thing that's so interesting to me is there are so many sounds in northern and southern accents that are the same. The melody lines are different, but mm-hmm. the sounds are absolutely the same. Say in mm. Georgia and Alabama, they drop their R's. Mm-hmm. They say here, there, yes. instead of here yeah. and there, right? Yes. They do the same thing. They do the same thing in Boston. Mm. Well, I am a coach in Boston, and she ends her sentences on a high note. Or with a question. Have yes. you noticed that? Is that an, a regional? Um, actually, that's female. Oh, it's female. Um, yes. It is. Oh. <laughs> Women answer very often. It's something called up talk. Yes. And women very often answer people with a question because we've been taught from little on that we have to adapt to the people around us. So we ask, make statements with that little up talk at the end. Now, in Boston, you could probably hear it more. Uh-huh. Um, it's the same thing in the difference between Irish and, and Northern Ireland. In Northern Ireland, they do that up talk much more than we do here. But, but 
for women to learn to make a statement, to drop their pitch at the end, is a very important thing for them to learn, especially after they've been uh, fired from a position or or their whole unit in a in a in a uh, industry or in a business has been dropped out. You know, they take yeah. units and they say, "No, we're not having this unit anymore because they've consolidated two businesses, or because the the financial situation in their city or that part of the country has caused that business." to no longer need or no longer want that mm-hmm. section, right? that portion of the business. And then we want acceptance. We want to know that we're still okay, yes. that we're still valuable. So Self-esteem is that. just in there all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is. That business of, of asking permission all the time. And we don't need to ask permission. We have value as we are. We, we need to learn that we have value just as we are. So we when are you special. work with a woman versus a man, you will find different um, voice inflections? Yes. Hmm. Absolutely. That's interesting. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Men are not afraid of getting something. They automatically go in to learn something, and that's what they do, and that's what they've decided to do. Or uh-huh. they have been told to do, and they, they're they not always cooperative. <laughs> but <laughs> but women are, are less uh, likely to treat themselves with the same amount of value. And they should. We're the ones that, you know, everybody... <laughs> So many people say, you know, um, gentlemen have not done so well with running the country. And yes. if they let women do it, there's a whole lot of problems that would have been solved a long time ago. And, and amen. Yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, women are collaborative. And men are, now, men are competitive. We, now, that brings up a question for me. So when you are working with a man versus a woman, can you sort of predict one will take longer than the other to develop the dialect, or is this really a a one-on-one type of determination? That's more likely a one-on-one determination. Um, It's easier for women to work with me because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. It's, um, It's interesting that men from different cultures have more of a difficult time working with a woman. Mm-hmm. And so very often I will send them off to uh, a man if they're having a difficult time working with me. On the other uh-huh. hand, in cultures where mama fixes everything, mm-hmm. the gentlemen love me a lot. <laughs> well, then like I would see everything. probably for the Asians, the Asian men would be more difficult to work with, correct? Yeah, I would Them, think. They and Middle Eastern men. Yes, definitely. Middle, yeah. Middle Eastern men. This is not this is not something that is a part of their culture. Yeah, correct. Now, if with with Asian men, if you explain to them that this is going to make them more money, they don't have any trouble with it. 
Ah. Mm -hmm. So it's about money. And if you say this is this is this is a way of being better educated, because being very well educated in the Asian culture is very very important. Very so important. If, if you say this is a way of becoming better educated, they are very interested in making the changes, in learning, in having so many more possibilities for themselves. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's a really wonderful part of, of their culture. Oh, I do they too. Say, yes, we will, we will be educated and we will get where we want to be in, mm -hmm. in this culture. I find that... Um, so true with uh, people from international businesses yeah. that they can speak multiple languages, and I don't know what their accents are like. In, <laughs> Asian accents are like in, in French or well, I could tell in German, but um, in English, that that uh, those sound changes need to be much clearer, and they feel very very. Uh, able to mm -hmm. work with people who are on a higher level than they are in the in a business because they now speak the language and that follows that they are then more educated ah. and when you it, worked with the dr lee to help him oh, develop his uh yes dr lee was one of my doctors ah and and I went to see him, and had I not been a dialect coach, I don't know that initially I would have been able to understand him. Mm -hmm. But he was such a fine physician that I didn't want, you know, to leave. Um, also, I think if you've worked with accents or you've come to deal with your own accent, you're much more willing to say, oh, that's an accent. <laughs> Let me find out what country it's from. Let me figure out how to listen. Because right. how to listen yeah. is part of the prejudice we have. Right. And Dr. Lee and I dealt with Korean. Okay, we're going he, to a break. And I okay. hate to break in on that thought, Betty Ann. But we're going to a break. When I come back, I want to talk about your HBO experience. Oh, right. Let's do that. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka. And frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things. And are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes. Then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now... These deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. 
Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Oh, I hope you've enjoyed talking with Betty Ann as much as I have today. It's been fascinating to hear all that we do know, and I appreciate her recommendations for my voice as well. So, Betty Ann, um, I wanted to talk about your experience with the series, the HBO series, The Wire. Um, I did some research after you shared that information with me and was I it'd been on for five years. So it was a, a big success as a series. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved with that? Um, this is one of those things in our business. Um, somebody recommended me. Another yeah. dialect coach recommended me because I had worked several times with other uh, British actors to teach them Southern accents and New England accents. And so she said, they asked her to do it, and she said, no, 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 you need Betty Ann, you don't need me, I do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went and, and began to work with them. Now, here's what's interesting. Okay. And, and for me, was fascinating. Um, these were British actors. Uh-huh. One of them spoke very upper-class British, which we call posh, um, mm-hmm. and the other one was, was spoke Cockney because he was from South London. Oh. They were both trained actors, but I had to teach them Baltimoreese, which is accent plural from Baltimore, oh. Neither oh. One of, neither one of which had the same melody pattern as their languages, nor the same sound. So we had to uh, take some of the precision of their language away from them Mm -hmm. um, because British speak very precisely. And we had to make them slide in words because in Baltimore, you don't call it Baltimore, you call it Balmer. Oh, really? I was born in Balmer. Absolutely. No kidding. No oh. kidding. <laughs> and when you go over to, to visit the ocean, uh, mm-hmm. you go to the visit, you call it down the ocean. 
Oh my not gosh. Down the ocean or not to the ocean. You say down the ocean. Oh. And and they say things like zinc for sink. Mm-hmm. So and their melody line in Baltimore is like it would be in any other city. There are several accents in the city depending on which um, group of immigrants settled there. Oh. So we, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So we had to use some Irish and Germanic sounds for one of the actors, mm-hmm. and we had to use uh, southern black sounds and um, some Portuguese sounds for the other actor. And both those accents are still Baltimore accents. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. Now, do you start them out just uh, demonstrate the difference in the speaking by listening to tapes or take them out on the street or how do you do that to introduce somebody to the to their change that they must go through well the first thing I have them do is is delineate their own sounds and then we say alright these are the sounds you use and these are the differences and then we talk about idioms we mm. talk about this is how you say something, uh, where you come from, and this is how we say it in Baltimore, in this part of Baltimore, and this mm, is how yes. we say it in that part of Baltimore. And mm-hmm. then you take them, well, I use some tapes um, because I take tapes of people from that part of the city specifically, mm-hmm. so they're listening to people specifically from that part of the city, and that show, the first season was about police officers, so I went and got tapes of police officers from both parts of the city. Oh, so and this is so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the best way for them to learn. The language and the words are the same, uh-huh. so they're able to make the transition much more easily. And the gentleman, um, David oh, I forgot his last name, who wrote the scripts, wrote them for the accents because he's from Baltimore. So he knows how those accents work, which makes it so much easier for actors. And if you do the same thing with the language that someone's using, so with lawyers, you use legal terms. With Mm -hmm. medical personnel, you use medical terms. With my priest, I use uh, the the mass um, so that everybody is using the language that they're going to use in their life. So about how much time is given to dialect work before an actor goes in to actually perform a role? Um, Well, for film and television, it's a little different than theater. For theater... You are you do a, a one week two week prep, in which you yeah. train them to do things, and then you teach them to mark their script, and then they memorize their script after they know the sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, in film and television, because it's less t- time, excuse me, um, mm-hmm. and the prep is different, because you prepare in, for four to six weeks to do a play, whereas sometimes with a preparation. You get the script the night before. With <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so oh. very often 
I will see someone, or they'll get the, the script two or three days before, and I will see someone privately, and we will work through the script for the sounds, and then we will work through the script for whatever the meaning of the script is, what the intentions of are the are of the lines. So that's pretty much the same thing that we do with lawyers and doctors. You know, how do you use this language? What do you use it for? Who are you talking to, patients or colleagues or um, the senior surgeon? Who are you talking to? And the same thing happens in a film or a television series. And that was what was so exciting for me. Um, the second year, it was Baltimore politicians, so that was just Baltimoreese all the way through. The third mm. one was um, the first one was drugs. The third one was um, <laughs> teachers, <laughs> and so we got teachers from all sorts of other places, but took students from the schools who spoke Baltimoreese, so uh. these people could learn from the kids. Mm-hmm. And it became a great game uh, for the students because the actors would say something a certain way and the, and the students would say to them, no, no, <laughs> no one's going to believe you're from Baltimore if you say it that way. So the, the students would correct them. It uh -huh. got to be very, very funny and, and yeah. wonderfully fun. Then we got yeah. to the fourth season, and I went in to work with them. And they said to me, um, we don't need you this year. And I said, what? And they said, we don't need you this year. They've learned all this accent work, so You've done we don't need you this job. year. So I did such a good job, I worked myself out of a job. Oh. Now, that's, that's something with, with you know, uh, a blessing and a curse. Yeah. But it was yeah. wonderful to know that those actors had learned that so well that yes. they didn't need me anymore. And that's important for people when I teach them to adjust their accent, to modify their accent, to eliminate accent sounds in the real world right. because they get to the point where they don't need me anymore. Right. They, uh, and I like they that. grow. Yeah. They well, grow then that means like you start it. a new business, doesn't it? Every or time. Or you move on. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's why I started my business, Talking Well Consulting, because it's about talking well, being able to yes. communicate well, not only with your sounds, but with how you use the language. And, oh, you can reach me. They can reach yeah. me at I Talking know Well how, Today. How, yeah, if they're interested in doing so, some work with you of some, or knowing more about your, your topic of dialects, how do they get to you? Well, they get to me via my email, uh, the mm -hmm. business's email, which is talkingwelltoday at gmail.com. And if they contact me within the week, they can have a, three, a free 30-minute dialect modification breakthrough session. Oh, great. So that I can help them analyze what they need to do. And now let me remind you, Talking yes. Well Consulting Talking well today at Gmail. Let me say that again. Talking well today at gmail.com. And a yeah. third time, like they do in television, talking well today at gmail.com. 
hope you don't mind my saying that so many times, but it's always so helpful. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I'll be calling you Betty Ann. <laughs> Well, my... I don't think you need to. Your your <laughs> accent is so charming and works so well with what you do because you're so supportive of of women, of clients, of people who get stopped or stuck in what they do. And that's what I do. Yeah. I help people who are stuck and help them move through the difficulties that they have move through those things which stop them from getting their projects done, from getting mm. a job, mm-hmm. from working as equals with their colleagues, and earning the respect of their bosses. Absolutely. You know, you know working with coaches and is always, so important for everyone making transitions. We as well work with coaches, don't we? Oh, yes. I have a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful business coach. I started my business and was you know, just We have to say goodbye, Betty Ann. I can't learn about your business, but I have so enjoyed our time together. You've been fabulous, interesting, I. just really a joy to visit with. So I hope you'll come well, back sometime so and we can you. talk some more. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, to. Betty Ann. Thank so we you, close, Joyce. We close today knowing that There's so much out there for you once you get your second wind. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Second Wind. Join us again next week at the same time as Joyce and her guests share strategies of growth and renewal. You'll learn how to attain goals and dreams and create the life you want to live to its fullest.